Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. And as always, my usual spiel. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Additionally, if you enjoy this podcast, and perhaps you wanted to make it a little more real, have a physical aspect to it, I actually have a limited amount of Practical Parsha podcast mugs for sale. And if you're interested, send me an email and I'll be happy to get it to you. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayetze. And just to give a quick overview of the Parsha, the Parsha starts off with Yaakov's, Jacob's flight from his parents' house. He's going towards his uncle, Lavan's house, to get married. And on the way, he gets sleepy and has a prophetic dream on the spot of the future Beis Amigdash, the future temple, Har Hamaria. And in this dream, the Torah tells us how he sees a ladder going from the earth all the way up to heaven, with angels going up and down the ladder. The Parsha continues with Yaakov meeting Rachel and subsequently being tricked by Lavan, his father-in-law, where he works for seven years for Rachel, and Lavan switches her for Leah. He works another seven years to marry Rachel, and the Parsha tells us about the children that are born to Yaakov Avinu. Finally, after 21 years in the house of Lavan, the Parsha concludes with Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, picking up his family and leaving the house of Lavan. The first idea I wanted to share with you today takes us to the prophecy that Yaakov Avinu had when he gets to Har HaMoria, Mount Moriah. Now the Torah tells us that Yaakov is overcome by a certain tiredness when he reaches this place. Now he doesn't know that the place he is at is the site of the future temple. He only becomes aware of its holiness after the prophecy. But the Torah tells us how he becomes tired He lays down to rest, setting up 12 stones around his head. And in his sleep, he has a prophecy. He sees a ladder going from the ground up to heaven with angels going up and down. After he wakes up, he realizes the holiness of the spot that he has rested and dedicates a monument to this place, calling it Base El. Now, There's many commentaries that discuss the dreams and its significances, but what I wanted to focus on today was more on the wording of the the Pasuk, the wording of the verse. The Torah tells us that when Yaakov awake, he was startled. He didn't realize that this was such a holy place. It was the site of the future Beis Amigdash, Mount Moriah. The Holy of Holies is in that spot where he fell asleep, and it says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely God is present in this place, and I did not know. The Tzaddik of Apt makes an interesting observation about this Pasuk, about this verse, and I believe there's a lesson that we could all take out. We know from Rashi that after Yaakov Avinu Jacob left his parents' house. 
he didn't go straight to the house of Lavan, but rather he stopped in the study halls of Shem and Aver to, to learn Torah for 14 years. And Rashi tells us on the Midrash that Yaakov Avinu didn't sleep during those 14 years. He learned nonstop for 14 years. And the Tzadik of Abt says that when Yaakov Avinu came to this place and he slept, he, he was, besides for saying that he, he, this is a holy place and I shouldn't have slept here, he was making a declaration that I didn't know you could achieve a state of holiness even in your sleep. And he fits it into the wording of the verse. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely God is pre- present in this place and I did not know. Meaning, I did not know that I could relate to God even during sleep. We know the Talmud in Brachos tells us, Dorash Barkapara. Barkapara expounded. Ezui Parsha Kitana Shekol What is a small, a short verse upon all which the fundamentals of Torah depend? He said, What's a small verse in the Torah that we could sort of learn everything out of? And he says a verse in Proverbs. It is in this verse. In all your ways you must know him and he will straighten your paths. The Rambam, Maimonides, and other commentaries as well, when they tell us on how we should relate to God and how we should perform the mitzvos and how we should go about our daily activities, he quotes this verse from Shlomo HaMelech, from Proverbs. Bichol dirachav deyeyu. In all your ways, you should know God. And really, one of the unique aspects about Judaism is this idea that everything you do as a, as a Jew, you're able to make it into a mitzvah. And you should make it into a mitzvah. And it's really an outlook. How do we look at the things that we do, even the mundane things? You know, when we eat, why are we eating? Is it because we want to fill our belly? Or is it because we want to have energy to serve God? If we're taking a shower, we're doing it because we enjoy a shower? Or there's, we want to be able to feel good about ourselves so we could be nicer to people? You know, everyone could fill the blanks in for every mundane activity that we do. We're able to elevate it. And that's really our mission in life is to not just deal with the spiritual, but also put the spiritual in the physical as well. There's a famous Hasidic story that said that on one Friday afternoon, the custom of many is to say Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs before Shabbos. And Rav Zusha of Anapoli was a great Hasidic master. On one Friday afternoon, he was reciting Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, and a messenger came and asked him in the name of the Magid of Mezrich to stop saying Shir Hashirim because he was disturbing the Magid's sleep. The great Magid of Mezrich, he was in a different area, but in the spiritual realms, he felt the impact of the Shir Hashirim, of the Song of Songs of Rabzusha and Napoli, and it was disturbing his sleep. The phenomenon here 
is not that Reb Zusha's Shir Hashirim, his recital of the Song of Songs, was making such a tumult in heaven that it was disturbing the Magid, nor is it that the Magid sensed the tumult in heaven because of Reb Zusha's reciting the Shir Hashirim, but the amazing point here is that the sleep of the Magid was more important than the Shir Hashirim, the recital of the Song of Songs of Rav Zusha. And this is what Yaakov Avinu learned when he came to this, when he had this prophecy in his sleep. That he now recognized that serving God doesn't just mean learning Torah and doing mitzvos, But there is many more dimensions in Avodas Hashem. And part of serving God is bringing Him in to our physical lives, to our mundane activities. Many people mistakenly think that when serving God to make our mundane activities holy is only something that righteous people do. That's a mistake. We all have that ability to elevate the physical through the spiritual. In all your ways, you should know God. And that's the lesson from this week's parsha from Yaakov Avinu. And that's what he learned when he felt, when he had the prophecy in his sleep. And he recognized it when he woke up. That even through sleeping, a mundane activity, he was able to know God even more. Second idea I wanted to share today takes us to the story of Yaakov working for Rachel for seven years. So when Yaakov arrived at the house of Lavan, he asked to marry Rachel, and, he, and Lavan told him, you have to work for me for seven years, and then you can marry Rachel. We all know that he switched Rachel for Leah and had to work another seven years to actually marry Rachel. Now the Torah tells us that when Yaakov came to marry Rachel and started to work, the wording in the Pasuk is very interesting. So Jacob worked seven years for, for Rachel, and they seemed to him a few days because of his love for her. Understanding this Pasuk, it means that because Yaakov loved Rachel so much, the days flew by. But the question that's asked by many commentaries is that if somebody loves somebody and he's working for that person to marry that person, so it should be the other way around, that the seven years should be like a thousand years when someone's engaged to get married. So the few months that are in between the engagement to the marriage seem like eternity. When, a, when an engaged couple doesn't see each other, for a week or two, it seems like such a long time. Just because someone loves somebody doesn't make it shorter, it makes it longer. And this question is asked by the Malbum and the Alshech. They have different ways of answering this question, and I want to focus on both of them today, which teach us two different important lessons. The Malbum gives two answers to this question. The first one is that because Yaakov loved Rachel because of her qualities, how she would be an excellent mother and a mother not just for his children but for all the Jewish people, he, her, his, 
his love for her wasn't a selfish love because he wanted her. It was a non-selfish love. And Rabbi Pliskin points out that the difference between selfish love and non-selfish love, true love, is patience. When someone loves themselves, so then they're not patient for the other person, right? When you, when you have self-love, right? You love somebody else because of what they do for you, how they make you feel. So then you're not willing to have that patience to wait for that person if, uh, you know, if you're made to, to wait, if they're holding you up. But if somebody has true love, they love someone because of their qualities or what they do, so then a person is willing to give time and to yield. So although normally a person who loves someone else seems like a long time when you're waiting for them to get married, by Yaakov Avinu, since it was true love, it seemed like a few days. Another answer that the Malbum gives, which brings out a tremendous lesson, is that the Malbum tells us that the reason why the seven years of Yaakov's working seemed like a few days was because Yaakov knew the bargain he was getting. He knew what a great person Rachel was and how she would be an amazing wife, an amazing mother. And therefore, to wait seven years was a bargain. And it really brings to mind a funny story I heard from my Rebbe. He should be gebenched. That in an African village, there was this custom that when people were ready to get married, they would give a cows for their wife. That was the payment in this village to get a wife. And if you got a good wife, a good wife was a four-cow wife. A really good wife was a five-cow wife. And an excellent wife was a six-cow wife that you would give four cows, five cows, six cows to the, the family of the, of the girl. And that's how they were rated. So it was from one to six. Now, there was a fellow in the village who was ready to get married. And he decided when he's getting married, he offered 12 cows for this woman that he wanted to marry. And, and the whole village was, it was the talk of the town. Nobody had ever given more than six cows. Six cows was, was an amazing wife. And now this fellow gave 12 cows to marry this girl. And it was the talk of the town. Sure enough, they get married. And the, she is the best wife anyone could imagine. She's able to cook the food and take care of the kids and take care of the village projects, everything. She fulfilled her expectations of a 12-cow wife more than anything anyone could have imagined. Years go by. The couple have children, grandchildren, and... The father is getting older and they're speaking as children speak to their parents and a son says to his father, how did you know that mom was a 12 cow wife? How did you, how did you know that? How did you see that? That she was the one to be such a great wife? How did you know then that she was a 12 cow wife? And the father turns to the son and says, really, your mom wasn't even a three cow wife. But since I gave 12 cows, she became a 12-cow wife. So the story has an important lesson. 
Many things in life are subjective, are dependent totally on how we view them. And the way we view a situation can have a tremendous impact on the results that come from any given situation. So Yaakov Avinu, he knew the value of Rachel, of Rachel. And therefore to him, since he knew Rachel was worth so much, the seven years seemed like nothing. And I want to add one more point, that when we have the right outlook on the value of things and we're able to make it subjective and have that positive outlook on the situations that we face, so then we're able to sort of, we're able to do our part that the outcome should be better. So whether it be us experiencing a hard situation or us believing in someone else, we have to realize that we have the ability to determine how we want to look at a situation, to look at circumstances that are given to us. Because if we look at the overall picture and try to get out of our pain, to get out of the trouble we're in, to have a bigger view, the burden becomes lighter and the situation, the challenge becomes easier to overcome. And whenever you're doing something which you're gaining from, especially when it comes to spiritual matters, you're learning Torah and you realize how you're benefiting from learning. You're doing mitzvos and you see your life improving because of the mitzvos you're observing. Keep in mind of the gain that you are accessing, how you are benefiting from doing these positive actions. And it'll help you believe in yourself and overcome the challenges you face when trying to achieve these goals. And that's something which we see from Yaakov Avinu in this week's Parsha. Very important lesson. The last thought from this Pasuk, it's a really beautiful idea from the Alshech, that he answers this question a little differently than how I've been explaining till now. The Alshech explains that when Yaakov Avinu worked seven years for Rachel, it felt like seven years. It felt like a long time. He wasn't an angel. He was a human. He was a superhuman. But just like a person, time takes longer to pass when you love somebody. Yaakov Avinu also had that feeling. But once the seven years were up and he married Rachel, so now the prior years that he had worked and waited and all the pain and impatience that he had felt were all gone because of the positive feelings that he had for Rachel right now. And he bases this off of the, the order of the verses in the Pasuk because first it says that he worked for Rachel and then only after it says that he worked does it say that the days were like fleeting days. The seven years were fleeting in front of him. And from there he infers that only after he worked the seven years and got married to her did he feel that way that the years flew by. And this really teaches us a very important lesson when it comes to challenges we face. Because if we're able to mentally take ourselves out of the situation a little bit and remember that once we get through something, once we're on the other side of the, of the tunnel, we won't even remember the the unpleasant experience we faced, it sort of makes our challenge a little bit easier. 
it gives us a new outlook on our present situation. You know, so no matter what situation you're in, if you're waiting for something or you're trying for a situation to pass, remember, it will pass. God willing, you'll get there. And when you get there, you won't remember all the unpleasantness that you had to wait till that point. And we see this from Yaakov Avinu, from Jacob, that once he married Rachel and had the positive feelings for her and loved her, he forgot all the pain and challenge that he had beforehand. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or you'd like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon at gmail.com. Have a great day.